that video is so inspiring. I feel just like running through like a finish line, like, yes, breaking free. Well, welcome to church this morning. Um, I'm not Pastor James, you, so you get me. If this is your first time here, my name is Liz Rocha. If you come back next week, you will get to meet our pastor, Pastor James, and his wife, Pastor Debbie. So, but you get me. We are in a series right now called Breaking Free. And I don't know about you, but it's been amazing. Like every week I've been like, I, I kind of felt like, no, I don't really have strong life, right? And then every week I'm like, God, that was so good. And last week I was like, how am I supposed to follow that? Like, he killed it. Like, let's just end this series. It was so good. But anyway, we have been in this uh, scripture in 2 Corinthians. Um, we've been reading this every single week. So if you're following along, either open your Bibles or you can read it on, a no on our notes. You're good, Isaac. Thank you. Uh, it's 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Oh, I lost my place. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Amen. So we've been learning, right, what a stronghold is. And a stronghold to me is anything that has you captive, okay? So like, for example, like Pastor James spoke about, he spoke about addictions, and that's something that is keeping you captive from living your full life. And so today, Pastor James had asked me, I want you to preach on 4th of July, you know, yada, yada, and I want you to go over comparison. And I said, comparison? How is that a stronghold? I didn't really get it, because I can understand how like a drug addiction can be a stronghold, right? But comparison, that kind of had me a little confused. And then after I started studying, is that me clicking, y'all? I'm sorry. Is it my hand? I'll try. Oh, it's my earring. Accessories, y'all. <laughs> Girl problems. All y'all men are like, can't relate. <laughs> okay, sorry. So uh, we're talking about comparison. So I was like, how is that a stronghold, right? And now after I did some research, I'm like, wow, I have been held captive by this. I feel like this is mine. So maybe I'm not speaking to anybody here today, but I'm speaking to myself, okay? So chances are you are very familiar with comparing, right? So us ladies, like if we have straight hair and we some, see somebody that has curly hair, we're like, I wish I had curly hair, right? Doesn't that happen to you, right? Or like maybe you love your house, okay? And you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, that I have a home. And then you go over to somebody's house, and it's like Joanna Gaines threw up in there, right? And you're like, oh, man, like, why can't my house look like her house? Like, you know? And so you start to compare. And I think that we have all fallen in this trap, right? And it starts when we're very, very young. Because if you think about it, we go to school, and when you go to school, immediately it's like your grades put value on you. And so if you make really good grades, you get put in like the advanced classes, right? If you don't make good grades, well, you know, you're in other classes. Then you join sports, and if you're really good in sports, then they put you in the A team, right? Or they, if you're not so good, they put you in the B team, right? So it's like everywhere we turn, we start to compare ourselves to somebody else, right? And then it's time to go to college. And if you have great grades, will you go to Harvard or to Yale or whatever, right? And not so good, you, you get the, the point, right? We start to compare and compare and we all fall into this trap. And the thing is, is that 
the thing that we compare, it might change as you get older, but the tendency to compare, it's still there, right? So if you're following along in the notes, I put some of the most common things that we compare are our possessions, our people, and our calling, okay? So we're going to break this down a little bit. Our possessions, that's the type of things that, like, we have, right? So think your car, your house, your clothes, your shoes. And now, there's nobody in this church that will make you feel like you're not enough more than Chris Jordan. If you don't know who Chris Jordan is, it was the guy that was just up here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. Yep. So I will pull up, right, like, to church, and I got my kids, and the goldfish are falling out of the car, and here comes Chris, you know, in his Lexus. And then the next day, it's his Beamer, and then the next day, it's his Range Rover. You putting your hand over your face because you know it's true, dude. You know this is true. Okay. And then, okay, not like already, right, he's showing up in his cars. Then he comes out in his Gucci shoes with his Gucci belt, you know. And then he has the Gucci backpack, too. And I'm like, I got mine at Walmart, you know, like... Oh, my gosh. So you, we compare our possessions, right? Now, somebody else in our church, Kayla Boudreaux, I don't know if you guys know her, but maybe once I describe her, you'll know who she is. So Kayla has two little twins, and they're little girls, and then she has, like, an older little girl. And every time they show up to church, all of them are matching. Like, and not just, like, a cute top and jeans. No, they're, like, these boutique dresses with like bows and all of them are matching. And sometimes she matches them too. Like I'm, for me, I'm like either they look good or I look good, we both can't look good. Like the, the struggle's real, right? And so, but she shows up like to impress, right? And I'm, I mean, if I'm not careful, like I don't struggle with that all the time, but if I'm not careful, I'm like, God, how does she do it? I wanna be like Kayla. Right? And we compare ourselves to people, right? Now I lost my notes. Well, I lost my place. Okay, yeah, so that's possessions, right? We, we compare our possessions. The next thing that we compare is our people. Now, this one stings a little bit because I don't think we like to admit this as much as, like, possessions. So we compare our people. If you have kids, I know you're probably, like, shiny or halo right now. You're like, no, I don't compare my kids. But... Sometimes we have the tendency to compare our kids. We can compare them to each other. We can compare them to other kids. And it's so funny because, like, I was prepping for this message, and last week Pastor James took us to Louisiana for this conference, right? And we get there. It's in Louisiana, and they had, like, this – it wasn't a barbecue. It was, like, a whatever. They had a lot of food, okay? They had crawfish. They had goulash or – oh, jambalaya, you know, all this stuff. I don't know what it was called. They had all this stuff, right? What? I don't know. I'm Mexican, y'all. I don't know what they had. And so, okay. It wasn't, stop laughing at me. It was all this stuff, right? I didn't know what it was. And so I'm, we're going, right? And it's all of us from the church. And I'm looking. I'm like, my kids are not going to eat this. There's no way. We're going to have to go get them Big Macs. Or, I mean, Happy Meals, right? 
And so we're going. Well, then Andrea, she works in the media. She has her little girl. And that girl's like, you know, grabbing everything. And I'm like, man, she's not going to eat this, you know. And so we sit down, and there goes Layla. She had the crawfish, and I don't know what you have to do. And she's like eating it. And I'm like, my kids are like, (laughs) you know. They didn't want to eat. And I was like, so we get in the truck, right, to go to Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, did you see how Layla was eating that crawfish? Like, and then Zoe, which is my daughter, she goes, are you comparing me to Layla? <laughs> and I'm, she knows that I'm, like, preaching on comparison. And I'm like, no, yes, no. <laughs> you know, oh, my gosh. Okay, so we compare our people. Sometimes we will compare our spouses. That's, that's a hard one, right? We'll, com- we'll compare, like, man, I wish my husband was super involved in the church like yours. Or I wish my wife was affectionate like yours. And maybe sometimes we don't say that out loud, right? But we're thinking it, right? And maybe we don't compare them to, like, another person, but we'll compare them to, like, themselves at a different time. Like, oh, well, when we were first married, we used to go out all the time, and now she just wants to stay home. Or, you know, like, you compare your people, and we start to hurt the people that we love the most because we're too busy comparing them. And so somebody said it like this, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it. So your, your spouse, your kids are the most important things to you. Why do we compare them? And we do it all the time. Now, the next thing I put on here was that we compare our calling. See, each and every one of us, we have gifts and talents that God has given us, right? Like the musicians, they can play their instruments. Maybe somebody else, like Karen, is a prayer warrior. Everybody has different things, right, that God has given us. And somehow, for whatever reason, we like to make it about us. We say, oh, I wish I could just preach like Pastor Dane. I wish I could pray like Karen could pray. And it's like, when we do that, we start comparing our calling, it's like as if we're telling God, I know you gave me this, but you missed the mark when you gave me this. Like, you didn't get it right, God, when you gave me this. And we do that, and we do it because we want so bad to be like somebody else. And God's saying, I made you you. I gave you those gifts, those talents, and you're trying to be Chris Jordan. Why? Because <laughs> he got that Gucci. <laughs> well, so why do we feel this way, right? I've, I've, we've talked about comparison and all these kinds of things. And the truth is, like, when we compare, we start to feel inferior. And this is where our insecurities come from. We're like, oh, I'm just not good enough. Or, you know, you start to feel inferior. But if we're not careful, if we're striving and we're trying so hard to be like somebody else, it could become an idol. That person, that job, that car, that house, it becomes an idol, and you start to serve that instead of serving God. And then it goes even further. Remember I was telling you, like, I just didn't quite understand how this was a stronghold. Well, it becomes a stronghold because now you're anxious because you can't keep up. You're depressed. You're uh, envious. You're jealous. 
And now all these things have you captive that you can't live your life free the way God called you to live your life. James 3 and 16 said, wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So this tells me anytime I have felt jealous, that the Bible's telling me there is evil of every kind. Every single kind. That's mind-blowing. Proverbs 14 and 30 says, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Cancer. So you guys, I know, like I'm, I'm the first to admit, right, I've been jealous. You know, I've been jealous of somebody's clothes, somebody's whatever. But the word says this is like a cancer. It's a disease. It's a sickness that we need to get out of. Now, on the flip side of comparison, we've already been talking, right, like, I, I don't feel good enough. Well, on the flip side, you can compare yourself to somebody but feel, I'm better than them. You can be like, well, we have more money than they, they do. Or we live in this neighborhood and they live over there and like, well, I'm better, right? It reminded me of this one time when, um, you know, Facebook, right? I had seen this, this friend of mine, she's a mom, she posted like what she packs her kids for lunch and it was these little boxes with these compartments and she puts like stars of the, with the strawberries and then she makes like a butterfly with the sandwiches and I'm like, wow, how does she have the time to do that? Like we have all the like, here's the Capri Sun, here's the prepackaged goldfish, here's this, we sip it in a bag and you're off, right? And so I was like, man, I don't feel good enough. But then... I'll see another mom, and they'll be like, Coke, fries, chicken nuggets, you know, and I'm like, well, at least we don't do that, you know, like, if we have to go to a fast food, we go to Chick-fil-A, you know, like, <laughs> like, we don't go to McDonald's, right, and so I start to feel like, well, I'm better than her, I'm not as good as her, but at least I'm better than her, right, and so we start to compare, and we feel superior, right, and the Bible says that when, um, how does it say, superiority? or Pride comes before the fall. That's what it says. So when you become prideful, you're going to fall. Okay? And when you start to compare like that, you're feeling superior. You're feeling prideful. And you've got to be very, very careful when you start feeling like that because the word says you're going to fall. And the thing is, is that there's no winning in comparison because you either feel Inferior, I mean, inferior or superior, and neither of those honors God. None of them. Okay, well, we, I, like I talked about this story earlier about Facebook. It has never been easier in the history of ever to compare. Because why? Because of social, social media. You click it, and you, just, you could be having a good, good day. Oh, look, she's on her second vacation. Oh, now they have a Alexis. I remember when they were growing up and we lived in the rancho together. Look, you know, rancho's ranch, okay? And you start seeing, you're like, you know. And so you're comparing. So, I mean, it's like, it's so easy, right? It's so easy to compare because we have social media. And then you see, like, somebody post a picture, right? of their family and they're all happy and everything. So then you wanna post a picture of your family and you're like, smile, 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 
you know, like, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I'll give you a candy if you just smile, please, you know. And so, and then you start to wonder, like, did they have to bribe their kids just to smile? And then, you know, it's like, it's this whole, like, war in your head, right? And see, I put it this way, or somebody put it this way. We're constantly comparing our behind the scenes to somebody else's highlight reel, right? So we're like, oh, my kids, they won't smile, but their kids, no, they just, you know, and that's what we do. Now, I wanted to call my, myself out just a little bit. Y'all know during the pandemic, right, when we went in lockdown, we were all the church, we were working so hard because we had to go online, right? We were recording videos all the time. And my husband, he's like super, he has a lot of followers and stuff on Instagram. Well, he's always making videos, making videos, making videos. And so in the pandemic, that's all we were doing. And luckily, he has like all the equipment to be able to do it. And so I'm making these videos, right? And it was every day, right, babe? Like sometimes it was midnight. We're still recording videos. Well, I wanted to show y'all this one video the church posted. Watch it real quick. This is what you guys saw. Here at CLC, we are so passionate about children and their walk with God. And because of that, we have curriculum that is designed just for your child according to their grade level. And so we hope that you will allow your children to be a part of our worship service so that they can have an opportunity to grow closer with God and learn everything they need to know about the Bible. So maybe you saw that video, right? You're like, oh, babe, she's like with the kids ministry. And, you know, I don't know what you thought. Maybe you didn't even think that. But maybe you thought that, right? Like, gosh, that girl's so, like, dedicated, you know. Well, you saw that, but you didn't see, like, what happened behind the scenes, right? Like I said, don't judge me, all right? Number one rule of our church is don't judge me, okay? But me and my, my husband was like, recording me and this was probably like the 50th video you know whatever I want to show you what happened behind the scenes don't judge me children's ministry website video three two one hi my name is Liz Rocha and I want to invite you to student website video three two one it's not student website video it's oh. children's children's video. website video three two one wait Children's website video, three, two, one. Hi. I don't know what to say. Okay. Children's website video, three, two, one. You're super <laughs> annoying. I cannot stand you. Children's website video, three, two, one. <laughs> you're, you're so annoying. <laughs> Don't just don't do it. Just clap. Hi, thank you. What did I say in my head? Y'all aren't going to judge me, right? We're cool. We're still cool, right? All right, cool, cool, cool. But that drives the point home, right? That you compare what's happening behind the scenes in your house, in your world, to what somebody else posts that looks perfect, right? Right, okay. Now that I've made us all feel like terrible humans, <laughs> I'm gonna, we're gonna go into, how are we gonna overcome this? What?
So we're going to go over um, how we're going to overcome this, okay? So I'm going to read a lot of scripture, but it's to, like, really drive the point home, okay? We're going to go over David. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible, okay? So if you're following along, please go to 1 Samuel 16. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that the people look, like, look at. Aren't you glad about that? Uh, okay, so people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesus called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor the Lord has chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, one after the other. And Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Jesse answers, they're still the youngest. He is tending the sheep, Samuel said. Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and brought him in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and had handsome features. That sounds like your husband, T.T. <laughs> then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil. He anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day forward, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Okay, so this is the story of when David got anointed to be king, okay? As you can see, all the brothers were invited to this party, the comparison party. I can just imagine myself like they were like, you know, like flexing and like, like just hoping that they would pick them, right? But David never even got to even go to the party. He didn't even get invited, right? And the thing that really triggered me is if you read carefully, when, when they asked him like, oh, do you have another son? The dad didn't even call him by name, you guys. He said... I do have another one, but he's out there, you know, like tending the sheep. He called him by a characteristic that wasn't even favorable. Like it was like, yeah, I got one, but he's like, you know, he's over there. That's messed up. Like, you know, like that's, that's, that's wrong. And so, but the thing here, David was completely content with his sheep. Uh, he, right there, he was like writing songs, playing his instrument. He was completely content. If you're taking notes, this is my first way to overcome comparison. We got to practice contentment. Now, maybe you're like, what's contentment? I don't really get it. it. So let me tell you like this. Happiness, that's a feeling, right? And one minute you're happy and the next one you're not happy, right? But contentment, it's not a feeling. It's like a state of being. Okay, it's like regardless of what's going on in my life, I'm going to choose, it's a choice, to trust God and put my trust in him and be content regardless of my situations, right? Amen. Now, how do I know, though, that David was content? Because they anointed him to be king and they said, you are going to be the next king. And he didn't get to go to the palace right away. It's not like a limo came and like picked him up. All right, we're going. No, he had to go back to the shep I mean to the pasture and be a shepherd again because it wasn't time yet. Now I know if somebody came to your house and said, "Look, this was all a lie. Really you're rich and you're a king." You would be like, "Oh, I am." oh, okay, well, let's bounce, like, let's go, like, give me the crown, 
you know. But David, he was like, oh, it's not time yet? Yes, sir. Let me go back. And he was content right where he was in the field. See, Paul put it this way. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. That's in Philippians 4.11. That means whether I'm driving my Tesla or I'm driving my Honda. If I'm working at my dream job or I'm working at wherever, I am content. And the thing is, is that if we would just choose, you were touching on this earlier, Chris, if we would just choose to remember and thank God for the things that we already have, I have this thing in my house that says, I still remember the days that I prayed for what I have now. Like, we forget, you know, we forget, like, once we have the stuff, once we feel like we made it, we forget where we come, we came from, you know, and we're so quick to forget, and if we would just remember, we would stop striving, we would stop being jealous, we would stop being anxious, all of it, all of it. I I wrote this, real maturity comes when nobody has to remind you to be thankful, All right, my next point, the, way, and the second way we can overcome comparison is be you. We're going to pick up the story, okay? So David just got anointed to be king. We all know that he's going to fight Goliath, right? But this, um, we're going to pick up right before. The Saul said, don't be ridiculous. There's no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since youth. I bet David was thinking, your army's there, and they can't even fight him, so okay. <laughs> Um, let me see, where are we? But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and his goats, and when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. He was a gangster. I have done this both to lions and bears, and I'll do this to the pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. I like this part right here. It says, The Lord who rescued me from the claws, he said, the Lord, not my muscles, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Oh, it says, so Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave uh, David his own army, armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took it off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a string, put them in the shepherd's bag. Then armed with only the shepherd's staff and the sling, he started across the way to fight the Philistine. See, what I like about here was that they gave him the armor, right? And remember, he already knows he's going to be king. So they gave him the king's armor. And he was like, I can just imagine him, right? Like, you know, I'm not used to this. This doesn't fit me. Do you know that it takes a lot of maturity to be able to say, I know one day I'm going to be there, but I'm not there right now, right? And he had that maturity and that wisdom to say, like, I can't put this on, go fight Goliath, and expect to win because it's not me right now. Yeah, maybe one day, but right now, all I know how to do is use my slingshot and use these stones. And God said, I'm going to use you just like that. Just like that with those stones and that slingshot, that's how I'm going to use you to bring the victory. And that's what God's trying to tell you. You don't have to be like anybody else. 
Just be you, whatever is in your hands, the way he created you. God says, I can't bless who you're pretending to be. David knew how just to be himself. God has made us so unique, so special. Not even identical twins have the same fingerprint, okay? Even they have different little fingerprints. How many of you have iPhones? Those are my people. The rest of you, you need to repent. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. See, the iPhone has this feature, right, that in order to unlock your phone, it has, like, facial recognition, right? And yes, baby, yes. <laughs> in order uh, to unlock the phone, right, it has to recognize your face. And it, when it recognizes your face, it will open up the phone and give you access to every single thing on your phone, right? Your Apple Pay, your messages, your, in, your Instagram, your social media, all of it. But my sister, if you are ever in church and you hear a loud cackle, a loud, loud laugh, that's my sister right there. My sister looks a lot like me. She'll tell me, like, I was at church today and somebody came and told me, like, a whole story thinking I was you. And I was like, uh, I'm not Liz, you know. And so she looks a lot like me. And we tried one time with the phone to, like, use her face to unlock my phone to see if it would work. And it didn't work, right? God is the same way. Only you can unlock what God has for you. Only you can unlock his favor. Only you can unlock your destiny. You cannot be somebody else and expect God to give you the victory. Amen. And I'm going to say this too. I know some of us are like, just be you, boo. Like, just be you, just be you. And that's cool. But sometimes that has like a spirit of like, rebellion or like um, unsubmissiveness, right? Like you have to be the best version of you. You have to be submissive and obedient to God's plan. And if that means leaving like a habit or leaving some disrespectfulness or attitude or whatever, you have to be open to that. So yes, be you, but be the best version of you that you could possibly be. Amen. All right. Then the third one, we are going to celebrate others. Okay, so we know the story, right? David goes, he kills Goliath. Awesome. This is where we're going to pick up in chapter 18. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns came out to meet King Saul, and they sang and they danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals, and this was their song. Saul has killed thousands, and David has killed ten thousands, and this made Saul very angry. He said, What's this? They credit David with tens and thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. So if you see here, Saul was so jealous because everybody was in the streets like, David, David, you know, like screaming for him. And he was the king, and he was like, man, they're saying that he's killed all this many, but what about me? And so he was so, so jealous. And if you keep reading the story, you find out that Saul, like, he plotted to, like, almost end David's life. He hated David. He, and if you read, the, uh, the anointing of God left Saul, okay? And he had this inability to celebrate other people. And I know, and I want to tell you guys, oh, celebrate other people. And I know it's easy to celebrate others when it has nothing to do with you. Like, let's just say 
someone wins a Grammy and you're like, oh my God, I'm so happy for them. Like they won a Grammy, they so deserve it, right? And you can celebrate them. But what about when it's personal? What about when you've been working somewhere for 10 years and you know that you're gonna, you like really should get a promotion and you're praying on it and you're like, I'm gonna get this promotion. But then somebody else gets that promotion then it's not so easy to celebrate others, is it? You're like, okay, well, congratulations. And really, you're just like, oh, that should have been me. And I don't know why I work so hard in this job. And you, you know, you, you get bitter and ugly and, and you don't celebrate. But the thing is, is that we have to learn how to celebrate out loud and on purpose. We have to be intentional. And I know there can be a sting. Like maybe, maybe you've been fighting like an infertility journal, a journal, journey. And it's been years and years and years and you've been trying and you just can't. And then you have a little sister or a friend who gets married in like the first month, they're pregnant. And you're like, God, when is it gonna be my turn? You know, but when I tell you to celebrate out loud and on purpose, I dare you, I challenge you that when that happens, buy her a baby outfit, buy her a, a stroller, I don't know. Be intentional. Romans 12.10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring one another. So that means you have to be genuine, like from your heart, not just from your lips out, but from your heart. You guys, I wanted to share these pictures with you. It's of Serena Williams. Um, you know, Serena Williams is like a tennis player. She's really awesome. If you see this picture, she won like this big old trophy, right? And the girl in the back... I guess one like the second place or something, right? Look at how she's looking at her, like with the inability to celebrate her, like just bitter and sad. But then I want you to see when the roles are reversed and Serena Williams wins second, look at her, like celebrating. Which one do you wanna be? I wanna be that second one where even though somebody else is winning and I'm not, go girl. You got this. I'm proud of you. I'm here for you. I support you. And can I tell you that celebrating the work of God in somebody else's life isn't going to cancel God working in your life. In fact, it may prevent God from even using you or working in you because you cannot celebrate others. You can't be proud of them. Oh, I'm so worked up about that. <laughs> um, but my point is, is, we have to celebrate others. In order to combat comparison, that's what we gotta do. What was it? You have to practice contentment. You have to be you, and you have to celebrate others. I don't know if you're here and you can relate in any kind of way. You can say, man, yeah, I've, I've been there, I've compared. And maybe it's even deeper for you. You just constantly feel like you're not enough. Like, man, I'm just never gonna be a good enough mom never going to be good enough to serve. I can't teach kids. I don't know the Bible. And maybe you've been dealing with that, but can I tell you, you're enough. You are enough. God has equipped you. He made you. He took his time making you. You can stand to your feet. He took his time with you. It says that he knit you together in your mother's womb. So everything that you need you already have. He's already equipped you. You don't have to pretend to be like somebody else. Just be who God called you to be. And today I want you to let go. 
Enough, stop listening to the lies of the devil. He's a liar, he's a, a, an accuser. All of that, they're lies, and it is time for you to stop listening and for you to walk into your calling and to who God has called you to be. Amen. I want to pray for you. I know it's 4th of July and we're ready to go and celebrate, but if that's you, if you have ever felt like I'm just not enough or they've got it so much better than, than me, I just want you to raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Just be honest and open with yourself. If you would, just uh, close your eyes and bow your heads. God, we come before you, Lord, and we just repent, God. We say we're sorry. Sorry if we've ever thought that what you gave us just wasn't enough, God. We're sorry. We repent before you this morning, God, and we say forgive us, Lord. God, give us the wisdom, give us the courage to step up, God, and say, this is who you called me to be, and this is who I'm going to be, Lord. We pray today for the gifts and talents that are in this room, Lord, that have yet to be called out. We just ask that you would begin to pull them out, pull them out of the people, Lord, that they would begin to step in confidence, step out and say, this is who God called me to be, and I'm going to take that step, Lord. Put a fire under them, Lord, and that they would be themselves, that they would be the fathers and the mothers and the husbands and cousins, aunts, uncles that they were called to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church, we love you. I hope you have an amazing 4th of July.